Well, everyone, good morning to you guys. How y'all doing out there? Man, I haven't said that in so long because I haven't seen you guys in so long. And so, hey, I want to welcome you to our online service, Church at Home. Check this out, check this out, check this out. Week 14. The first time we did this was in March on the 15th. Today is June 14th. Guys, that's three solid months that we have been doing this church online, watching services at home. I'm going to say something right off the bat. Man, I miss you guys. I totally miss you guys. And I want to encourage you that uh, we are working for, hoping towards phase two here in Newport. And I made this announcement last week and even the week before because people asked us, how how much longer? And and here's here's the answer as soon as we get to phase two. Now, you guys know. We were on our way to phase two last week. We were supposed to be there June 5th. And man, we had that spike in COVID cases here in Newport. And I just, man, it it took the wind out of my sails and the wind out of so many other business owners and and small gyms and and other people's wind. And just, I'll tell you what, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's out of our control, except through prayer. We can continue to pray and ask the Lord to guide us and direct us, to give us that patience, to give us that sustenance. Because the reality is, we're gonna continue to do whatever we gotta do to put out our services online so you can gather with your home groups and 10 or 25 or less and social distancing. And so you guys can do that. We're gonna continue. And as soon as we get to phase two, whenever that is, as soon as that happens, we're gonna go back to our nine o'clock 11 o'clock and six o'clock services as per the restrictions within phase two. We're gonna continue to put out our services online for the people that aren't ready to come back yet or need to stay home for various reasons. So that's basically the announcement. We're praying that the Lord would allow us to come back on phase two. Now, here's the deal though. We have really seen our audience grow via the online services. Matter of fact, wherever you're at right now, would you do me a favor and go ahead and just in the chat box or the comment section or whatever the case is, type where you're at, where you're watching from. We have people watching these services from all over the state, all over the country, and literally all over the globe. So just let us know right now where you're at and you can even take a selfie and send that in and to southbeachchurch at gmail.com or a little video clip or something of you watching the service with your watch party just to help us connect with you. As a matter of fact, I texted some friends of mine today and I said, man, I haven't seen you in so long and I, I just miss you. And, and the response was, is I've seen you because you all been seeing me because I'm right here, but I'd love to see you guys. So let us know where you're at. We're gonna continue putting on the online services because God's been using them in a powerful way. But let me just say something. Okay, I miss you guys. And as I said 14 weeks ago, this is not ideal. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna say something even more radical. This is not sustainable. Do you guys know that? This is not sustainable. We can't can't keep doing this. But right now we don't have a choice. And here's the good news. We're actually not gonna keep doing this forever. Okay, from my heart to your ears, you need to hear me say that. We're not gonna keep doing this forever. And right now, right now, if you feel like you're being tested, if you feel like you're being messed with, if you feel like you're growing, it's because you are being tested, you are being messed with, and the good news is you are growing. This isn't gonna go to waste. God has a purpose and a plan in your life to do something deeper in you that he might do something deeper through you. Now, if you're like me, you just wanna get back to normal, and the Lord says, boring. He wants to do a work before we get back to normal. As a matter of fact, Luke chapter 21, Jesus talking about the end days, 
and the difficulties and the persecution. He says, if you, Luke 21, if you go through persecution and difficulties, it's because God is setting before you an occasion, listen, or a testimony or an opportunity for God to do something in you that he might do something through you. Wouldn't that be radical if you looked at this as an occasion, an opportunity? That's not normally how we phrase this and put it into our framework as an opportunity or an occasion. But Jesus said, this is exactly that. Let me tell you what Peter said also. Peter said in chapter one of 1 Peter, he says that your faith would be tried and tested because it's more precious to God than gold that perishes by fire. In chapter four, he said this, Peter's kind of cutthroat. He says, don't think it's strange concerning the various trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you but instead God knows what he's doing. And then in chapter five of 1 Peter, Peter goes on to say something else. He says, and when you're tested by the enemy, know this, that the same difficulties are being experienced by the brethren in all the world. It's not just about you. It's not just a difficult time in Newport. And I was texting pastor friends of mine up in Portland earlier this week and asking them how they're doing. And they're not even in phase one yet. Like they're not even allowed, they're, they can't even do anything. I say that because I don't want to get it twisted. I don't want to, miss an opportunity for God to do a deeper work in me. You know, Jesus said, he made it real simple. He said, here's what I want from you guys. Two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor. He didn't say love God, love people. We say that all the time. But he said, love God and love your neighbor. Your neighbor would be the people you're immediately with, the people you live next to for sure, but the people that are the closest to you. Love God and love people. And so as a Christian, you might be frustrated and you might be wondering and you might be mad. Listen, that's, Are you loving God and are you loving the people next to you? Because if you're doing those things, you don't have to be frustrated. You don't have to be wondering. You don't have to be mad. You can be fully excited about fulfilling those two greatest commandments. So I want to encourage you guys. Don't don't wig out. Don't bog down. Don't don't weird out. Uh, Stay plugged in. There's ways to plug in online. And I know it's not the same. It's not ideal. It's not sustainable. But our Zoom meetings for Celebrate Recovery on Tuesdays and and our women's Bible study, they're Zooming at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays. You can contact Ula or or Pastor Adam Durkin will get you connected with the the contact info there. And and our young adult group and the high schoolers and the Sunday school, all that stuff. There's curriculum available online and Zoom opportunities and small gatherings that are happening. The Pastor Marty newsletters going out. And man, I'll tell you what, don't forget to be reading our five by five by five reading program. I printed this out before I left the house. We're in June. We started June last week. And man, we finished Romans and we just finished Ephesians. And if you're doing this on 614, that's today, that's Philippians chapter one. Go ahead and download this on our website, southbeachchurch.org. Uh, and you can download the five by five program and go through the schedule with us. But check that out, check it out. Philippians chapter one. Do you know Paul was in Philippians or in Philippi one time and things didn't go perfect for him. It wasn't ideal. It wasn't sustainable. He got beat up and arrested and he sought the Lord in that time and God broke chains and opened up doors. Years later, he would be in Rome where he wrote to the Philippians and when he was in Rome, guess where he was at? In jail, under house arrest, quarantine, not for 14 weeks, but for two years. And while he was there in Rome, he wrote the prison epistles, Philippians being one of them. And in Philippians chapter one, Paul says something in verse six. He says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's a promise. He goes on in Philippians chapter one, which you're gonna read today, June 14th. Read it, jump into Philippians with us. It's just a couple chapters. And he says in Philippians chapter one as well, 
he says, whether Christ is preached for ill gain or for, for the right reasons, and he said, I don't really care. I don't really care as long as Christ is preached. And let me just say this, man. You might think that there are boundaries that are hindering God. Really, the boundaries we create are in our own minds. Paul would say that the gospel is not chained. There's nothing that can hold it back, nothing that can stop God. And it requires you and I to simply believe that and to trust him that he's going to finish the work. So check all that stuff out, guys. It's happening. And finally, we're going to go into worship right now. But let me give you one more exhortation and reminder. I, I share this often, and I just, man, I'm like a broken record. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Zechariah 4, 6, which says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And it's a promise prophetically from Zechariah to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel had begun the building project there at the temple in order to worship God. And yet through a problem, a pandemic, an issue, something happened and the building stopped. And not for one week or a, a, a month or 10, but for years, over a decade, years, the building stopped. You can imagine if you were in duress for 10 years, you would just give up altogether. You would need a prophetical promise given to you. And so Zechariah shows up to Zerubbabel and he says, man, you began the work and you're going to finish it. The cornerstone will be laid and guess who's going to do it? You are Zerubbabel. And let me encourage you guys. The promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. There's nothing that can stop us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can come in between you. And so right now, all of those problems, all the issues, all the real stuff on the outside, it's easily overcome by a proper perspective. One of the best ways we get that proper perspective is through worship. And so we're gonna worship now. And Pastor Ryan has put together a set for us to lead us to the presence of God so we can be reminded of the things of God, so we can be encouraged in the plan of God. I'm gonna say a prayer right now and ask God to bless us as we worship him together in this time. Father, we thank you so much that indeed we can trust you. That Lord, man, you have not failed and you're not about to start failing now. And I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, even in this time of testing for us, this time of growth, this time of difficulty, that we would remind ourselves of who you are, what you've done, and therefore rest in what you're doing. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. I know that stuff comes up during these testing times and stuff needs to be taken out because you're going to do a work in us in order that you might do a work through us. So, Father, would you bless us now as we seek your face in worship? Would you set us free, Lord? And would you have your way in us? We thank you, God, for all you've done. Even now, we just were humbled and we're needy. So bless us, Lord, we pray. Lead us and guide us. We thank you for all you've done. Do more, we pray, Jesus. We're looking to you and we pray for this world right now. We intercede on behalf of this world with all the tensions. Lord, all the, the fear and the chaos and the economy and Lord, all the, the things that are going on with different people groups and the division, we pray in Jesus' name to you and we ask for wisdom. You told us that if we lack wisdom to ask and you'll give it to us. You also said that that wisdom would be willing to yield, that it would be peaceable, that you're not just gonna say, keep doing what you've been doing, here's my power, but instead often you say, no, I need you to adjust. I need you to soften your heart. I need you to move over here. Here's my power, but I need you to adjust. I need you to yield. So Jesus, would you make us willing to yield to your purpose, to your plan? We need you, Jesus. Bless us now as we seek your face. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
everyone. Let's come on back in and get ready for Bible study now. As I mentioned last week, the time in study is additionally a time of worship where we present ourselves to God as living sacrifices, asking him what he might show us, listen, that we might adjust in the way we live. James warns us, he says, don't just be reading the Bible or listening to Pastor Luke and then going about your day not changing stuff, but instead be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And he says, for the man who listens only and doesn't adjust is like a man who looks in the mirror and then doesn't fix anything and goes his way and he hasn't improved. The reason why we worship is to get nearer to the Lord and to improve. The reason why we study this book. And for many weeks now, we've been in Judges and you know, we've been looking in Nehemiah and we did some Old Testament stuff. We're going to be in the Old Testament for a little bit longer. We're going to get into Revelation back to chapter 16 soon. I'm not sure I'm not going to make no promises. But I want to remind you of that staple verse for Old Testament study. And it's in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And it says, check this out. You guys should have this memorized by now. It says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. God wants to teach us something. That's what learning means in order that we might have patience and comfort and therefore have hope in these crazy days. Let me ask you a quick question. How many guys in the last 14 weeks of quarantine, in the last couple of weeks, maybe a month now of unrest, social unrest, and just, how, how many, here's the question. How many guys have learned something? Like you're like, man, Thought I, I thought I knew some stuff and then it turns out I got in an argument with somebody or I, I found that I didn't know everything. And I'm actually, how many guys 
how many of you guys would say you're more open in your heart and your mind to learning something right now? I would hope so. As a matter of fact, if you haven't learned a thing, you're all closed off, you're iron-fisted and closed-eared and stiff-necked. You probably got a couple more laps around the block in order that the Lord might speak to you and share something with you. Because one of our biggest pitfalls is thinking that we know it all. Uh, About God, for sure. About ourselves, additionally. Maybe about society and some of the issues that are happening right now. I would encourage you. I believe that the Lord is teaching you stuff right now that you're actually growing and that God wants you to change and to be different. And maybe there's a root issue, something deep within you. As a matter of fact, I scheduled an appointment uh, this yesterday, I think it was yesterday, and I was in Eugene at 360 Dental Group there with Ari Binder, my dentist, my, my friend, and, and I, I had just a tooth problem. I didn't know what was wrong, man. My tooth hurt. Every time I ate, it didn't feel right. And so I scheduled an appointment and I sat down, they did the pictures and the films and he came back and he told me what was going on. He said, this tooth is decaying. It's in the preliminary abscess station and you could either yank it out, be done with it. Bye-bye tooth. You don't have a, a chomper anymore. Or we could yank it out and do an implant, which is very costly. Or we could restore the tooth with a root canal. And as I'm sitting there, you know, all, you know, ready, you know, ready to go, I, I, just, I didn't know what I was going to have to do. But I looked at Ari and I said, I trust you. What do you think I should do? He said, you should do a root canal. This is going to be a couple hours here today. We could just get it done. And he began the process and I just buckled in. Now, I'm going to be honest. Root canals aren't fun. Ari did a great job, but root canals aren't fun. And about halfway through, I was sitting there and he had his technician and himself and they were talking about, you know, things. And I'm just suffering suffering and I'm and I had a few questions go through my mind like should I should I tell him I'm done should I tell him you know I'll handle it from here (laughs) hey I know you're trying to get to the root of the issue here Ari but uh I'm over it (laughs) I want to go get my Arby's sandwich and my milkshake and curly fries listen as much as I wanted to leave as much as I was done with the pain I kept telling myself it's going to be over This guy's got other patients to see. He's got other things to get to. And not only is it going to be over because he has things to do, but he's going to finish the job. And here I am today, just barely 24 hours later, and it doesn't hurt anymore. Man, I'm good to go. He got to the root issue, and he told me it was a tough one because some of the roots went down and kind of took a little, you know, and he had to get in there. What is the Lord doing in your life right now? 14 weeks in. You, You could blame Somebody else, blame the governor, blame the president, blame another nation, not going to help you. It's not going to help you. Or you could say, Lord, man, it is what it is. Are you showing me something? Are you showing me something? Here's the deal. Philippians chapter two, verse 12. You'll get there tomorrow when you're reading. Paul says, now that you've been saved, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Work, it, work what out? The brute issues, man. Work it out. Did you know you can't work to get saved? Like, it's just not how it works. You do not work to get saved. But once you are saved, listen, the work begins. I'm gonna say that one more time. You can't work to be saved. It's a free gift by grace given to you lest you boast and brag about how you got it. It's given to you. You, you can't work for it. But once you are saved, God begins the process of working on those root issues. The children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, okay, in a day. They just were out. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. 
And let me just do a little, little pop quiz here. Raise your hand if you're saved, but God is continually working on root issues in your life. Anything come up? Anything, okay, me, me and my wife are here, the only two honest people in the house today. Here's the deal. A couple days ago, I was rowing in my garage. I think it was Monday. Today's Thursday, by the way, and I was rowing. And I was just praying, Lord, what do you want to study on Sunday? What does the church need to hear? And the Lord spoke to my heart about honesty and humility and about letting the Lord search you deeper. And he immediately said, Naaman, 2 Kings chapter 5. And as I was rowing, I was like, oh, Naaman, 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 2 Kings chapter 5. Turn there right now. It goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Okay, so just start in the beginning and go to 2 Kings 5. 5 comes after 4, which comes right after 3. You know that. Okay, 2 Kings 5. And I began to think, Lord, is that where you want us to go is, is 2 Kings 5? And I began reading it. And there's some parallel principles in this teaching. It's a classic story of King Naaman. He's the commander of the Syrian army. Check this out. He's not even a Jew. All the Old Testament's primarily about Jews and how God worked in their lives. This is where it gets crazy. We see some principles here because it's not just about David or Gideon or Moses or Joshua or Joseph. It's about Naaman. I'm going to be honest, a bad guy, at least in their opinion, in my vantage point. And yet in God's vantage point, he says, I love him too. I love him too. And we learn something about God. Because once you know who God is, and once you know a little bit about God, you'll only then be able to rightly understand who you are and what God wants you to do. And so as we learn in this story what God does with people that maybe we don't associate with or understand or like. And as a matter of fact, I'm just going to say a quick prayer, okay? God, would you bless this time? In Jesus' name, we're going to open up your word. We want to learn. Lord, we want to grow. We want comfort and hope through, through the patience of the scripture. Lord, and we don't want to just look into the word and not adjust. We want to learn something today. So God, would you bless this time? Would you anoint me as your teacher and anoint us as your students, Lord, as I watch this even on Sunday morning with my family. We love you, God. We want to know who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Check this out. Verse one and two of chapter five of 2 Kings. It says, now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, yeah, he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria and he was a mighty man of valor. Last three words, but a leper. Actually, just that one verse. That's all we're gonna read right now. We'll keep going. Naaman is described as a mighty man of valor, as a great hero, commander of the Syrian army. It even details that his victory had been given to him by God himself. This would be very confusing in those days with the nation of Israel. They were at war with the Syrians. And yet it appears like God loves the nation of Israel. Check this out. And it appears like God loves Naaman too because he's a mighty man of valor. This word mighty man of valor, we remember last week was given to Gideon. It's also biblically given to Joseph. It's given to David. All these men of old, there's actually three or four or five other men in the Old Testament, Jews and God's kids that are mighty men of valor. This is the only Gentile in the Old Testament that's called that by God in the Bible. I say that to say this. Two principles I want you to consider with me. Number one, first principle is this. God loves everybody. 
Now, those of you who are Bible students are like, I'm about to write. I already know that. You already Do you? Write it down. God loves everybody. He loves your enemies. He loves bad guys. He loves criminals. He loves your ex. He loves the people that mess with you. He loves the people that, listen, don't love him. Agape love is a type of love that doesn't have conditions. It loves even when it's rejected. And God loves everybody. And this is imperative that you figure this out because Jonah didn't want to go tell the Ninevites to repent because he didn't love them. He didn't like them. He didn't want them free from bondage because he was kind of selfish and kind of a jerk. And he knew that God was going to forgive them. Let me just make that application for you and I. If God loves everybody unconditionally, wouldn't it be so nuts if you and I decided to love everybody unconditionally as well? Wouldn't that just be so radical? Like it's so elementary. Like it's so elementary. You might not even give it some thought. You might not be writing this down. God loves everybody. You should write it down because if you really believe it, dude, it will change everything. Don't raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass you at your life group there, but how many guys get mad at people when they drive bad or drive slower when things happen at a store and you just see people, just weird things and then you just get so offended and just, just so critical. Love. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. This story's here. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, wait, 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 wait. Naaman got hooked up by the Lord. First principle, just write it down, chew on it, trip out. God loves everybody. And the second principle is this, not only does God love everybody, second principle is this, everybody needs God's love. Did you notice here that Naaman has all this success and all this victory and the last three words of chapter chapter five, verse one are, but he's a leper. What? He's a leper. Leprosy in those days was a small disease that would start somewhere on your skin, a little red dot, and it would then grow and spread and it would eventually fester and it would begin to rot the skin off your body, both inside and outside. And you would begin to lose feeling on your digits and the knuckles would begin to come apart and it would take over your whole body. And and Naaman here covered it with his armor, but eventually it's going to take over. And what would happen is, is it would go into your gums and your gums would shrink and your teeth would fall out and it would go on your nose and your nose would start to kind of fall apart kid you not and your nose would fall off and your ears would fall off and your eyeballs would fall out and dissolve pretty soon you're just man you're like uh the snowman in 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 frozen just falling apart man you're melting we know old testament teachings parallel sin to leprosy starts out small it's kind of hidden you just kind of not, not a big deal, but it, sin like leprosy begins to grow and it fester and it takes over. It's just the nature of sin. And it, it begins to take away your, your feeling, your sensitivities begin to uh, not function like they used to. And, and eventually it begins to, to cripple you and, and things begin to fall apart. It's the same thing. And here's the deal. Two, two, two principles at the beginning, note takers. Number one, God loves everybody. And number two, everybody needs God's love. Check this out. Naaman on the outside, he looks like he doesn't need God's love, but he's a dead man walking. Did you know that no matter what a person looks like on the outside, no matter what they're up to, no matter what's going on, whether they're Bill Gates or the richest man or the most successful athlete or the most decorated general, no matter what, they're dead men walking. Everybody desperately needs God's love. God loves everybody and everybody needs God's love. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person anywhere in the whole entire world, even good guys, even Mr. Rogers, there's not even good guys out there that don't have the plague, leprosy, the sin. Isaiah chapter 53 says, we like sheep have all gone our own way. We've all left him. Here's my point. Isn't this crazy? God loves everybody. Wouldn't it be cool if you loved everyone too? Why? Why should I love these people, these, these people? Because they need God's love so bad. If they die apart from God's love touching their sin, their leprosy, they too shall be separated. Well, this man, he's here in Syria. He's got everything going on. And let me just make sure you understand how to process this in an applicational way this week. If you have a boss that's condescending or lording over you, or maybe just somebody who's hard to love, can I just say, look through that? Look through all that underneath their, their trappings and coverings and know that they are desperate. They are hiding something. They're hiding something. This failure, this, this fear, this whatever they can hide it, just like Naaman was able to, but he needed the Lord more than anybody else knew. Check this out though. Look at verse two. And the Syrians, they had gone out on raids and they brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Guys, I don't know if you're familiar with the story. Hopefully you are, but you will be today. This guy has a, a slave, a girl, who he stole on one of his raids and then employed to take care of his wife. And now she just lives there. We don't know her name. We don't know where she came from, except she came from Israel. We don't know anything about her, except check this out. Through a set of unfortunate circumstances, God's gonna use her powerfully. God set her up to serve this man. She could have been and should have been really, and, and ask me, ask Dr. Phil, ask whoever you want. She should have been bitter, right? Man, getting yanked out of your home as a young girl and put into forced labor in the Syrian camp, what? What'd she do? Instead of getting bitter, she decided to live a life of helping to make people better. She's chatting with her, her maidservant, her, her, her mistress, and she says, man, I just wish, I, wish, I sure wish that Naaman, man, I wish he could go meet this guy, Elisha. He heals people. It's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. Who would even think that? You would think that she would want him taken down and, oh, he's got leprosy. Oh, it's going to be a slow death for that cat. He's going to suffer before he dies. That's kind of how I might react. Here's the deal. We're all, we're all reacting to life, aren't we? Each and every one of us have a unique set of unfortunate circumstances that have led you right to where you're at. What if you decided to trust the Lord? That no matter where you're at now, right now, no matter where you're at, God wants to use you, not to be bitter, but to make someone else's life better. What if you just said, yes, do it. You're working at a job you don't want to work at. You live in a town you don't want to live at. You're married to the person you don't want to be married to. <laughs> Whatever the case is for you. Okay, you need counseling if that's the case. What if you just decide, you know what? I'm here. The Lord must know better. And I'm going to respond likewise. No doubt these, this girl's parents suffered greatly. No, no doubt she missed them deeply. But there was nothing they could do about that. I remember one time I was praying to the Lord. And I had just come back to Jesus. I'd 
given my life back to him after walking very, 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 very far away. And in my wanderings, I did a lot of things that I wish I had never done. And, and I had done damage to my life and to others. And I asked the Lord, Lord, how am I going to move forward like this? Look at all the stuff I've done. What do I do now? And the Lord spoke to me, said, Luke, I'm going to use you in the condition you're in by my grace with the people I surround you with in order to share my gospel with them because of the gospel that I've shared with you. <laughs> the Lord said, hey, don't question what I've made. Don't question what I've done. Guys, let's just take this girl to court. What's going on? Like you got abducted and you got enslaved? No, it's all wrong. It's all bad. No good at all. But it happened. And in your life, there are things that are not right, not good, all bad, no, no good at all. But it's ha- it happened. Why not, instead of getting bitter, live to find other people that you might make better? And I want to credit this gal who we don't know her name, her parents. Did you know her parents had taught her about God? They, they taught her about God and then she got swooped away. What? And God says, I got a plan for her. Reminds me of Joseph. Joseph was raised up by Jacob and his brothers and God was going to use him in a powerful way. Jojo, Jojo, Joseph, the dreamer of many dreams and the, the coat of many colors. And yet he was sold into slavery and attempted murder and betrayed and imprisoned. And for decades and decades, man, it wasn't fair for Jojo. And yet Jojo always only ever made other people's lives better. And God blessed him and used him. Bounce pass, balls in your court. Your life's not perfect. Things have been done to you. Things have been done by you. Okay, make a decision today. I'm not gonna be bitter anymore. I'm not gonna be bitter that I didn't get that, I didn't go there and this didn't work out. I'm gonna live my life to make it better for others. Two things about this girl, by the way. Number one, actually three things. Her, her parents raised her up. And so for your parents out there right now, what are your kids doing? Are they out there freaking out and wandering? But you did give them the things of God? Pray for them, okay? These parents would never see this girl again. And yet God said, I'm gonna use your daughter. I'm gonna use your girl. Parents never underestimate the power of raising up your kids in the way that they should go. It might not, it probably won't turn out the way you want, but God will use the gospel in your kids in spite of you and in spite of your kids and in spite of their situation. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation, okay? Number one, the parents raised this girl up. And number two, check this out. She cared enough to give. She, like God, loved this guy. And if you don't give, to other people, the truth, here's why. I'm gonna tell you right now. Because you don't care. You just don't love. How's your witnessing? How's your sharing? How's your serving? If you're not witnessing, sharing, or serving, I'm just gonna bust your bubble right now. It's because you don't love anybody. Yes, I do, Pastor Luke. You don't know me. And I'm just saying, look, your fruit. It's gonna be evident in your life. This girl, she shouldn't, she should have been feeding this guy poisonous, you know, baby food, man. Trying to kill him. But instead, she wished good upon him. If you're not serving other people right now, it's just because you don't love them. You're, you're stuck in bitterness. And the third thing, check this out. Not only did she care enough to give, okay, but she believed enough to share. This is nuts. She's sitting there looking at this guy going, I actually know a cat who could heal you. <laughs> like leprosy, by the way, is incurable. Okay? You can't be healing of leprosy. It doesn't work that way. Unless you know God. Do you know God? How's your faith? Is it small faith? Is it immature faith? 
Can you share with your neighbors that are all messed up, the people that are fighting every night? Can, can you share with people or do you, do you have those two things in common with this girl? Do you care enough to share and do you believe enough to speak? Do you actually believe in the gospel? Let me quote Romans 1.16 again. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God and the salvation. Paul had in and of himself nothing to offer. I have in and of myself nothing to offer, but I can give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe it. Do I care enough to offer it though? These are the questions. Well, we see this girl and she offers this to Naaman. Look at verse four. It says, and Naaman went in, check this out. And he told his master saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, well, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. Man, Naaman, can you blame him? This girl who he has come to trust says, hey, Naaman, man, I'm just, this is crazy. I see you're dying, slow death inevitable. I got a homie who could actually heal you. <laughs> you just got to go talk to him. He'll, 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 fix, he'll fix you. Naaman, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, normal, a normal person. So he goes to his king and he says, hey, I got, there's this guy in Israel. What should we do? This is what we would call a response in the natural or in the flesh to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. People respond, they don't get it. These guys get a, they, well, I'm gonna write a letter. I'll write a letter to the king, tell him he's gotta cooperate. And, and then let's get all these, you know, thousands of talents of gold and silver. Did you know that the amount of money that would be in value with this, this loot and these gifts would be two or $3 million? Check this out. He doesn't know what he's thinking. He's like, oh, I gotta get healed. It's gonna cost at least two or $3 million, boss. What do you think? He's like, yeah, that's, that's probably right. Two or $3 million. <laughs> you guys know that the gospel is free? It's absolutely free. These guys are spazzing out. Like a normal person would think. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the healing powers of God, free. No letter needed. These guys are responding just like normal people would. And the reality is, man, it, it, it's gotta be true. People say oh, the gospel can't be true. It's, it's too good. Well, you know what? It's so good it has to be true. That Jesus Christ freely gives, freely sacrifices himself for others. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to exclude yourself from receiving it. These guys are funny. Look at verse six and seven. It says, then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent name and my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. Stop right there. <laughs> These two kings aren't at peace. Okay, the Syrian king and the Israeli king. These guys are not having, a, they're not, they're, they're tweeting at each other, man. They're not having a good time. And all of a sudden, Naaman rolls up the commander with two and a half million book, and he gives him a letter. And this guy reads it. He's like, as soon as Naaman shows up, man, I want you to heal him. He's like, <laughs> are you kidding? You want, how am I going to heal you? How am I going to, look, look at what he says. And it happened when the king, verse seven of Israel, read the letter, he tore his clothes, and he said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. He's like, what, are you trying to fight me? I can't heal you. And let me say this. This is again, a man-centered reaction to a real problem. Naaman's gonna die. He needs help. What's he do? Well, how much money we got? How much money we got? Well, what can we do? We write some letters. Let's go do a government campaign. And he writes from one government to the next and they try and come up with a governmental solution. And this guy, this king of Israel, man, unfortunately, he didn't even know God in his own life. He had drifted so far. And he actually has the right reaction. You know what he says? Government can't help you. You're dying. Government can't heal you. And it's interesting to me 
that we want the government to do what only God can do. Even to this day in our day and age, oh, man, the arrows are flying and this group and that group and this thing and we need legislation and legalization and monitoring and we need all these things. We got right and we got left and we got middle and we, you know what we need? I'm just, that sign back there says Jesus. We got money involved. We got political leaders. No answers. Hey, that might be super simplistic to you. And, I, and you might be mad at me for ignoring your issue. The government doesn't have answers. Okay? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And it's, it's not even an answer you're going to like. This guy shows up, they begin to fight. And he tears his clothes. Look at verse 8. This is so fun. We just got to keep cruising here. How much time do I got? It says in verse 8, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes... That he sent to the king saying, this is so cool, he tweets to him, he's like, why'd you tear your clothes? (laughs) He goes, why'd you tear your clothes? He says, please, please let him come to me and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. Stop right there, eyes up here. Elisha with a gentle rebuke, he's like, you lose your temper? What'd you tear your clothes for? (laughs) Why are you tearing your clothes, bro? It's just gentle rebuke from Elijah. Why are you tearing your clothes? Why are you losing your mind? I think it's comical. I got LOL written there in my notes. Those are my highly sophisticated Bible notes. LOL right there. And then he gives him some advice in verse nine. He says, then Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Stop right there, eyes up here. We're gonna see Naaman flip his lid in just a minute. He gets super mad. He's a mighty man. He shows up to Elisha's house. He's, he's ridden on a horse hundreds of miles. And now he's posted up at Elisha's house. He's like, where's the mighty man of God? And so Elisha sends out Gehazi. He's like, go tell him just to wash in the Jordan seven times. He'll be fine. Gehazi comes out and he gives him the good news. Go dip in the Jordan. The word Jordan, the river Jordan, the Jordan means judgment. Go, go dip in the judgment of God. Go, go immerse yourself Fully, seven times. Seven is the number of completion. It's fullness. Go, go, go take yourself to the, to the throne of God. And you know what's going to happen? You'll be born again. Your skin will be made like the skin of a baby. And yet, Naaman is looking for Elisha. And Elisha sends out Gehazi. And here's the principle. The messenger is not as important as the message. I'm going to say that. Make sure you hear it. As a matter of fact, Christian... If you miss me, guess what? I miss you too. But you know what we both have in common? The message. The message. And if you're more interested, I'm just I'm trying not to be mean. If you're more fired up though, because you want to get back together with, with the gathering and, and, and the message is not enough, why? The messenger. I love you. I love, man, I, I lo- don't, get, don't misunderstand me, please. Elijah didn't come out there and meet him. He said, just go tell him the truth. It'll change his life. Did you know that the truth can change your life right now? It'll change your life right now. The message is more important than the messenger. Well, he doesn't like this. Naaman doesn't. And so he says in verse 11, but Naaman became furious and he went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. This is amazing, by the way. 
Naaman had his preconceived ideas of how it's all going to work out. Got my two and a half million dollar check. I'm going to come over here and he's going to come out and he's going to be like, he had it all figured out. And God's like, wow, you're a weirdo. And God said, no, no, I'm not doing it that way at all. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do it completely different than the way you would do it. And I'm actually going to do it in a way that makes you mad. And here's the problem. Whenever life doesn't go the way we want it, Whenever life makes us mad, we have a proclivity, a temptation to do what Naaman did. I'm out of here, dude. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm leaving. Now, he had driven very far to get there, and he came with great high hopes and expectations. You know what the Lord said? Here's what you do. <laughs> and he didn't like it. So he pieces out. He bounces. He says, I'm out of here. We learn a lot from Naaman, don't we? I have realized that in my life, hardly anything has worked out the way I thought it would. And I'm actually thankful. This guy decides to leave. He's super bummed out. He wanted it his way. And now instead of humbling himself, he's hardening his heart. Look at verse 12. He says, Are not the Abana and the Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and he went away in a rage. Stop right there, eyes up here. These other two rivers he describes are really nice rivers, like crystal clear, blue flowing water. And the Jordan River's not that way at all. As a matter of fact, I've been to the Jordan River twice and it is murky and muddy and nasty. And here, this prophet says, Oh, you want to be healed? Take all your clothes off. Do what now? You gotta, you gotta expose that sin. You gotta expose your leprosy, bro. You gotta humble yourself. I know you're a mighty man, but deep down inside, you gotta get low. And you gotta get in the judgment of God in, in this river if you wanna be healed. Like, do you wanna be healed? Do you wanna be set free? Yeah, but I wanna be set free my way. I wanna be set free on my terms. I wanna be set free the way that I think I should be set free. That's what got you to this place in the first place. Doing it your way. Now, luckily, Naaman has some good guys rolling with him. Check this out. It says in verse 13, And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean. This, this guy has great advice. And can I just say this? Make sure you're surrounding yourself with people, men, women, old, young. It doesn't, just people that are going to tell you what's good for you. It doesn't mean you're going to listen. You're probably just like Naaman here and just like me, just a bonehead. But the men and women around you that love God and love you, okay, listen to them. Maybe they have something for you to, to, to lean on. Naaman's marching out, and one of his buddies says, Naaman, if he told you to do something great, you would go do something great. How much more so to do something humble? What if it works? Man, what if it works? Here's the problem. He didn't understand it yet. Had, had Elisha said, okay, 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 here's what I want you to do. We need a thousand bulls offered to the Lord. And we need the incense of a flower on Mount Doom brought down and crushed into the pedestal of life. You know, whatever the case is. If, if you would have said to do something great, Naaman would have done it. So would you and I. If the Lord looked at you and said, live a life perfect complete benevolence and kindness and, and you'll be saved. Oh, okay, I'll give it my best. But instead, the Lord says, no, 
I need you to humble yourself, completely empty yourself, and I will give you new life. What? That doesn't make any sense because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the gospel of Luke Frechette. It's not the gospel of Elisha. It's not the gospel of Naaman. It changes people's lives. And this man had a friend who reasoned with him and said, dude, just give it a try. Can I just reason with you right now? Check this out. Do you know that the Lord and the Bible instruct you and I to forgive our enemies, to love those who persecute us and revile us, to serve those in need, to, to live a life of, of goodness and love towards others. And you might be sitting in your house right now thinking, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? I got my own, my own journey figured out. I know, I know what's going to lead me to peace in life. What if you just decided, I'm, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to give my life to Jesus wholly, fully. I'm going to receive from him that sevenfold filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask God to change my life right now. I I would implore you, give it a try. Don't wait any longer. Go all in. Well, check this out. Verse 14. So he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. This doesn't make any sense because the gospel doesn't make any sense. He took off his armor and took off all his trappings and exposed himself and humbled himself and got in the water. Not once. That would be enough, wouldn't it? Just, just once and get out. Like, again? <laughs> he does it again. Three times. Four times. Can you just imagine? Five times. Six times. Because the Bible says that the foolishness of God, okay, is wiser than the wisdom of man. That God's plan of salvation to mankind doesn't make sense. And God says, I did that on purpose. So nobody could take the credit for my goodness and for my plan given to mankind, which is my love freely bestowed upon humanity through my son who bled from seven places, who cried out seven things from the cross, who pays for our sins. And he comes out with a brand new flesh restored. Which, By the way, again, leprosy is incurable. Just like your sin issue is incurable until you give your life to Jesus Christ. It says in verse 15, let's just check out the way the story ends. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and he came and he stood before him and he said, Indeed, now that I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel, now therefore please take a gift from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Now, if you study the life of Elisha, he actually would receive gifts from people um, at various times. He, he would receive gifts and offerings. But here, this picture, this story typifies salvation. And when Naaman tried to reward Elisha or pay Elisha for being saved, if you would, Elisha says, nah, <laughs> no, that's not how it works. It is a free gift. I will take nothing. God has changed your life, Naaman. He saved your soul. He has changed everything about you and given you new hope. And this is a miracle that God does freely and without cost. He kept it pure in this way. Put all the glory back on Jesus Christ. Put all the glory back on God. And so finally, Naaman, he's so cool. This guy's a baby Christian now. Let's look at verse 17. He, he has a couple of baby Christian things that I, I kind of want to point out. It says in verse 17, So Naaman said, Well, then if not, then please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. 
for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. This is funny. In those days, they thought that gods were uh, locationally uh, bound. That is, that uh, God would be in this temple or in that location. So this guy, Naaman, he's so fired up. He's like, you don't want my, my two and a half million bucks? Okay, well, can I take a couple, couple uh, loads of dirt back, Israel dirt with me? And I'm going to throw it on the ground there and I'm going to worship because it's going to be like I'm worshiping God because I'm going to be on your dirt. Like, There's a lot of theological reasons why that's not necessary. <laughs> you, know what, you know what Elisha says? Do it. Just do it. I think this is so cool. As a matter of fact, he goes next level. And this next verse is controversial, but I'm going to read it anyways because it's in the Bible. Uh, Verse 18, he says, Yet in this thing, may the Lord uh, pardon your servant when my master goes into the temple of Rimon to worship there. And he leans on my hand and I bow down in the temple of Rimon. When I bow down to the temple of Rimon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Then he said to him, Elisha says in verse 19, Go in peace. And so he departed from him a short distance. Stop right there, eyes up here. He said, I'm gonna take a couple truckloads with me because I wanna worship Jesus the right way, you know, back in Syria. I wanna do it right. And, and Elisha's like, I don't know if you need to do that, but go ahead. And then he says, hey, you know what? My boss, he worships Rimon and I'm, I'm, I'm over it, but, but I gotta go to Rimon church with him. And, and I'm gonna bow down with my boss. Is that cool? Now, stop right there, eyes up here, especially all you homeschool parents and legalistic types. Elisha doesn't say it's okay, but he also doesn't forbid him from doing it because he's just a baby believer. And these types of things I have experienced in my own life and the types of things that that maybe you have experienced, they kind of work themselves out as you seek the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. And instead of burdening him down and saying, well, let me just break this down for you, Nate, and you gotta go ahead and just change all that when you get back there and lose your job and blah, 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 blah. He doesn't do that. He says, you know what? Just go in peace, bro. You know why? Because I trust the Holy Spirit more than I trust myself. The Holy Spirit's gonna show you what to do. You see, what happens is, is we'll see a new believer come to the Lord and we'll lead them to Jesus. And, and then immediately we say, you know, I just think you need to stop dressing that way and listening to that music and hanging out with those people and stop going to these areas and stop... And if you've ever been part of a legalistic trip right after you got saved, man, it doesn't really taste like the Lord. God will show you. He will convict you as he has me, listen, and as he does me with the things that God to be put down in my life. Can I just say here at South Beach Church, maybe in your life, man, if somebody's getting close to the Lord, be like Barnabas. Barnabas showed up there to Antioch, this kind of pirate church and there's a bunch of Gentiles getting saved. They were eating ham sandwiches and taking communion, man. It was all crazy. And some of the, Peter couldn't handle it. And so Barnabas got up there and he saw the grace of God and he was glad. Are you a glad person when you see people getting saved? Man, we have seen so many people at South Beach Church just come to Jesus, hands raised up. and Man, they go out to the smoke break during the, the break time and they come back in and learn and listen. God works all of that stuff out on on every level for you and for me. We see a great display of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The story goes on, but I don't have time to to teach it. You can read it in your life group or read it later today. But the principle that I believe the Lord wanted me to bring out is that right now, this is closing, right now during quarantine, week 14, okay, what's God doing in your life? What's plaguing you like our friend Naaman? What does the Lord want to deal with in your life that's going to require you to meet him, listen, on his terms, not your own. That's going to require you to meet him in humility and brokenness. 
Because as we learned in Gideon's life, God wanted to do a work in him before he did a work through him. So too in Naaman's life, God needed to do a work in his heart, humbling him, softening his heart before he even began to do the further work in him. I love it when God does a work through me and I want God to do a work through you. But right now, let's not worry about that. Let's worry about what the Lord is doing in our own hearts that we might have a greater intimacy with him. Naaman could have missed this. He could have went to the Parfar, the Abana, and dove in seven times and came out seven times. Still all jacked up. But instead he humbled himself and he let the Lord search his heart in order that he might have that brand new relationship with Jesus. God used all these things together, all the unfortunate circumstances with this little girl and showing us also that God loves everybody and God wants us to know that everybody needs God's love. I'm gonna say a prayer right now. I'm gonna ask God to do a mighty work in our community during to not waste the pandemic, not waste it. We're in three months into this. This is insane. And yet God's ways are beyond our finding out. They're mysterious. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that we can learn through stories like this, that no matter how good a person looks on the outside, they need God. They need Jesus. They need forgiveness no matter what. And that, God, you love everybody. Would you just forgive me, Lord? And maybe you need forgiveness where you're at for not loving people unconditionally. And just being picky with my love. You're not picky, Lord. We want you to use us to love others and to show that love. And so, Father, would you change the church, change our hearts. Use this time, Lord, in your word and this time in quarantine to humble us and crack us open and do a deeper work. And I also pray for the Naamans here. Guys that maybe are trying to look good, but you're not. You know who you are. You know what's going on. And you need to come to the Lord. And you need to let him forgive you and free you. Don't stay clothed. But instead, humble yourself and say, Lord, get to the root issue. Do that root canal right now. And if that's you, if you've got a deeper issue, if you're, you're watching, if you have a deeper issue and you need the Lord to touch you in a deep way, there's a struggle going on, there's an issue, there's a blockage. Maybe you're just prideful, you don't even know what's going on, whatever. You're just, you're just messed up. Would you raise up your hand right now and say, Lord, do a deeper work in me, a deeper work. I'm halfway through the root canal. I don't want you to stop now, Lord, finish it so I can get that crown, so I can get that completion, so I can walk with you. You can put your hands down. Lord, I thank you so much for your word and for this time. We need you, Jesus. It's really that simple. Lead us, lead our country, lead our community. Get us to phase two, Lord. We pray for the coronavirus to just stop, Lord, for all these spikes and blooms and outbreaks, Lord, to just be minimized and localized, Lord, to dissipate. We pray for all the people in our community that have COVID right now that are fighting, Lord. Heal them, strengthen them. Lord, let our hospitals be ready for whatever comes. And I just pray our hospital would never even be needed, Lord. We wouldn't even need ventilators because, Lord, you just make it so mild and we find ourselves walking and healing. We look to you, Jesus. I pray for the economy, for our business owners, restaurants, Lord, small businesses, all the things that are going on, Lord, homeowners, schools, athletes and teachers. We need you, Jesus. Give us wisdom. We trust you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. 
amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure again, comment section below where you're at, who you're watching with. Share these on all the platforms that you watch on YouTube or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us an email, southbeachchurch at gmail.com. You have prayer requests and be praying that we get into phase two as soon as possible. Don't forget, next Sunday is Father's Day. So make sure and plan accordingly for that. And we will be back here at our online services, Church at home. God bless you guys. I miss you and hope to see you very soon.